Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to Hooked, the podcast where we give you all the plot hooks that you will ever need in your entire life. I'm your host, Nancy Weber, here with two of my regular co-hosts. This week we have... Hello, the name's Dom. Okay, we have Creepy Dom, and we have... Oh, I'm Gus. We have... That's not good, your that's, name. That's not your name. <laughs> that's a spoiler. Stop, stop foreshadowing. <laughs> it's Tully Grimley. And once again, we have special guest... Jack, I'm not doing a voice. This is my regular wow. voice. Okay. <laughs> wow. Okay. I'm, I'm, I, I stand in solidarity. With you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I can't do a voice because I feel it would, it would alienate listeners if I did a voice right off the top. One day. And if you did one better than the, the you know, than your guests, mm. it might be a bit weird. You know, it's just, it's just polite to let yeah. them shine. You mm. know, yeah, shine. Bright. Yeah, that's the reason. <laughs> so. What we do here is we provide plot hooks by taking inspiration from a an image. In this case, it's going to be a Magic the Gathering card and a random word that we choose. Uh, but before we get into it, we do have a relatively new host here, so it's time to ask a getting to know you question. We never do those if we don't have new hosts. No. <laughs> we no. try. I try. Sometimes I try not to. Uh, so I, I think... Jack, you have a lot of experience outside of Dungeons and Dragons, so I'd like you to I'd like to know what your preferred, at the moment, preferred um, game style is. Right now, and it has been for the last couple of years, I've been um, they don't call it DMing, but STing, storytelling, Vampire the Masquerade. Oh, cool! Ooh. Yeah, done a lot of it and spent a lot of my money on buying books from the nineties mm-hmm. and reading them. Mm-hmm. And it's just to play vampire. it's really really good. I really like it a lot. Um, and I know way too much about it, and can just. Rant. <laughs> I was t- I was talking to a friend who I was getting into it. I talked for a good solid hour all of the background lore things to be like, and it's this and it's that and it's all that. I love Bloodlines on the PC. It's so, and they've also released a new edition of it, which has it's been here and there. You know, you know how kind of fan groups get about something new. Yeah, I heard there like, was controversy <laughs> with it. Yeah, yeah I, I think it's pretty. I was like that too because I liked the original books and stuff but I can see what they're going for really they're, mm. they're trying to do something new with it and I like I like in the as a game that it's really focused on morality but not in a hackney kind of fallout way where it's like mm, no you're just bad. like it's, it's it's focused in on that sense and I, besides that I've done I've done a lot of like uh, the other game that I ran a lot of was a setting based on a, a series of anthology fantasy books from the 70s called Thieves World Cool. And that was a really—that's kind of the this—it's uh, kind of the original like um, 
stand-ins for like things like like if you've ever read the books Lies of Locke Mora, the Gentleman Bastard mm-hmm. sequence, it's a lot like that. Cool. So I've always always any of the games I've done have always been like either very low fantasy or almost always crime focused. I don't know why. I just I'm not very original. I always like the same <laughs> things, like but just slightly different, changed up in the flavor of it. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the thing. If you know what you like, you can make a game to suit it. Yeah, yeah. and kind yeah. of my players know what they're expecting. It's like there's going to be <laughs> this. There's going to be um, there's going to be crime, and there's going to be at some point some people like some like oh, if I can't think of a bad guy, I'll come up with like oh, then Nazis. Like <laughs> that's just like they just end up in almost every game. At Convenient go to and mm. um, unsatisfyingly apt. <laughs> yes. Yes. Sadly relevant. Uh, Sadly yeah. role relevant. Huh? All right. Well, I, I mean. Tully, do you have you played any different uh, any different uh, systems lately? I have, I have. I'm a big fan. See, the people that I play with are very much collaborative storytellers, so it means whatever system we play is as good as its ability to to tell good stories. Um, and so we really enjoyed the uh, Star Wars Force and Destiny, mm-hmm. oh, right. uh, which has uses the fate di- not the fate dice, system, so the, the force dice. Um, yeah, it's uh, the it's got. Um, I'm trying to remember the Genesis dice system. So it uses success and failure, advantage and threat. Um, so you can roll a success with threat or a failure with advantage. Oh, yeah. Um, and it really does bring a whole new element to what's going on. Uh, it's excellent for storytelling. And one that I haven't played yet, but I'm hoping to once I get my D&D game, game running um, as a GM is to do a couple of one-shots using a different system which is the Savage Worlds system. Mm, uh, awesome. Got quite a lot of experience with Savage Worlds as well. Mm. Yeah, I, I do love the way they handle skills. It just seems a lot more fun and yeah, simpler. Its yeah. character creation is so quick. It's yeah. just like done. Got a character. What about you, Dom? Um, I unfortunately don't have very much experience with other systems. I've played 4E and 5E uh, quite a lot. Um, I have. I've wanted to play any other system for a long time. <laughs> uh, I own the uh, the source book or guidebook for the Sprawl, which is a Powered by the Apocalypse sci-fi heist game, which cool. looks very fun. I uh, haven't been able to get people to play it, though, um, because, because I guess I'd have to run it. Um, but those sorts of the Powered by the Apocalypse sorts of um, ones really interest me because, yeah, the storytelling side of one side of role-playing is really where I get my most enjoyment mm. out of it. Yeah, cool. Mm. Um friend of the podcast and also has a podcast on the network playing this game is a game that yeah, he wrote Steve D uh, he wrote Relics which is an Angels and Demons podcast nice. which uses a tarot deck to decide um, a success failure oh, that's and cool. it's it's not so much the success failure but uh, the way it comes up is, is it's collaborative whenever you're trying to do something if you're going to succeed on it or if you're going to fail on it, it's a collaborative effort by the players at the table to for the angels who have been here for so long, they have forgotten a lot of information, to come up with a story of an interaction you had with one of the other angels where you, where you know to justify why you know how to do that or why you don't know what... what you're going to do with that right wow. yeah and you have each character has a particular tarot card which is their card and that's like a, a success plus you get to change the game in some way uh just yeah it's really interesting using a tarot a tarot deck to determine um the outcome in in a game rather than rolling dice um because then you have shuffling mechanics etc etc yeah uh so 
let's get into the episode, shall we? So we're going to give you some plot hooks and we're going to do that in the same way that we would do a magic trick. We're going to give you the pledge, which is the seed of the idea. Then we're going to go on to turn that idea into a more fleshed out concept that you can include in your game. And then finally, in the prestige, we give you a bit of an idea of how to include that concept or, or item or character into a game and make it make it part of your story. So, the card, the Magic the Gathering card that we are using today is called Gus. Now, it is from the Unglued series, so it's not an it is an official Magic the Gathering card, but it's not for Legal. use yeah. in official games. Uh, does anyone want to describe what the card looks like? Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. So we've got a, a very, very frightened man uh, standing in pajamas with a little nightcap and a uh, and a candle, looking extremely uh, perturbed by the creature on his bed, which looks, for lack of a better description, like a an enormous uh, uh, mutated uh, Bob Jelly from Sea Change. <laughs> See, I, the, I, the, the actor John Howard. Uh, I was going to suggest the offspring of uh, Jabba the Hutt and Salacious Crumb. See, yeah, I was the God, that's child. good. Yeah. I was oh, thinking, um, what's his face from Spaceballs? Yeah. <laughs> Again, yep. Mm-hmm. yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, yogurt? Yes, yeah, yo- yeah, yeah. yogurt from Spaceballs, but like <laughs> with the head blown up to about yep. 40 times proportion. It's, uh, it's just like, it's like looking in a mirror. <laughs> Yeah, so it's kind of a, a, a very large, grotesque, impish-looking, uh, impish-looking character, a gluttonous with, imp, with an Ebenezer Scrooge type, yeah. uh, about to go to bed. So, and oh, and the word that we're using is secretion. So I apologise in advance for what is about to happen. Who has a pledge? Okay, Jack has a pledge. All right. This actually, when I was looking at this before we got our word, I was like, I've got to have somehow secretion. And then secretion came up, so it's... Here we go. <laughs> so. Kismet. Right. So you come across this character, Gus. Now, Gus is a creature of a particular race called... Sammako. Which is um, what his race is. Like an amphibian-like species. Um... They're nocturnal, and while they look a bit, like, strange and monstrous, they're actually pretty kind and generous, okay. but have an uh, a appetite which is completely insatiable. They eat all the time, and that's why that whenever they come into kind of, like, uh, civilised settlements, they often shoot away because they eat and they eat and they eat and they eat. Not through any sort of, like, uh, you know, not being... Villainous. They just have yes. this ravenous appetite. So is this is this similar to like the spirited away? Um, that's the spirit that just consumes everything. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. Excellent. So uh, we we have the all-consuming Samako. Was that? Yes. Yep. Samako. <laughs> uh, yep. I'll go. Um, Excellent. So uh, for completing some some relatively minor or minor to moderate sort of quest for a little village of you know quaint and strange people the party is you know re- rewarded with tip, you know typical stuff like gold and you know a few items and uh, the chief come of the village comes to your party as you're preparing to leave and he says in the tongue of his people which the, lang- the 
the party doesn't speak very well, but he basically he holds out a small a small trinket. It's a li- it's a little twisted little man with like it, it, you know it's it's the thing from the card. Yeah. Um, but it's carved from wood. Uh, and in his, in the language which maybe a member of the party ba- barely understands, he says, "This will protect you." Okay. So, uh, so a, a little wooden figurine presented as a reward. Yes. Okay. And Tully. Yes. So, uh, mine. Uh, I'm talking about a monster today. Oh, sorry. Mine. Mine was item. I wanted to get that in there. Sorry. Okay. Yep. Uh, I'm talking about a monster. Um, but we're going to start with a little bit of a of a story. Um, this is the story of uh, a town. This is almost, it's almost like a, like a fairy tale, kind of like you'd have the boogeyman or you'd have the tooth fairy. This is, this is local legend, uh, and it's the legend of uh, the insatiable imp. So, one day, it, you know, a person, a, a young man, happened to find under his bed a tiny imp. No, there was a monster under his bed. Yes. Okay. Oh, this is definitely the monster under the bed. Um, there's a, a tiny little imp whose skin seems to, to hang off its bones, just awfully gaunt and... Uh, pitiful? Pitiful. And it asks, Please, uh, I'm hungry. Feed me. So, Please, young... I, just, I just need a little bit of human blood. Well, it doesn't require anything particular. <laughs> the imp will eat anything that is offered. The young man offers the imp bread offers uh, him a plate the imp eats the plate as well um, so realising his uh, mistake continues to just bring out every night a small portion of food and leave it on the floor by the foot of the bed so he doesn't start feeding it garbage oh no Okay. No. <laughs> um, and as, as the nights wear on the imp grows and fills out his form and becomes healthier looking in fact so much so that Comes a little bit plump, maybe almost overfed, and the man decides to name him, and he names him Gus. Okay, so we have literally Gus the imp. Yes. Okay. Well, well done on naming it in the first <laughs> naming it in the pledge. Um, oh, I haven't named it yet. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Well, let's see where it goes. Um, wh- wh- who would like to go to the turn first? Do we want to stick with? The imp under the bed, or would we like to? Yeah, yeah. Let's go. Let's stick with the imp under the bed. Let's continue with the imp under the bed. So, so that was the story. That that was the story. Okay. That is all that we know of the of Gus. Yep. Who is this local legend? Um, until one day, Gus actually shows up in a young family's home, looking rather feeble. And so, as as per local legend, the uh. The inhabitants of the house they feed Gus, offer offer Gus food, um, offer them on, on plates, not really heeding the warnings that mm. were given. And Gus, having looked rather scrawny, starts to fill out, and very quickly fills out and grows and becomes larger to the point where Gus starts to 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 stretch out the skin, seeming to almost balloon. But Gus is still hungry. Gus. Feed Gus. <laughs> okay, so is this like just plaguing one family, or is this maybe the town knows of this legend, and so what, this what used to be a small town when Gus was first there and the story was told, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, is now a much larger town, and so everyone's kind of feeding Gus. 
everyone's feeding Gus. Okay, and so that is becoming a problem. Yes. Gus is very quickly becoming very, very large. Okay. And so that's the monster. That's the monster. But he's not called Gus. Not called Gus. Well, I'm, it's the this turn. Is a, you need to know what the name is. This is the gluttonous imp. Okay, the gluttonous imp. Uh, all right, well, let's let's head to the Samako. Right. So where the players come into it is that they come to this village and this Samako has been plaguing the village, been getting into all the storehouses, been eating up everything. Doesn't eat any anything that's still alive yep. or anything. Nothing about that, that it's intent. Is it even showing that anytime anyone confronts it, it runs off? But they're sort of saying, the villagers are like, well, this is, you know, we've got to save these things up for winter. Mm. This could be really bad. We need this driven off and we're willing to pay quite a bit of gold. Um, go at it. So the players go tracking this thing down. The Samako's not very good at covering its tracks. It's a very large creature. Mm-hmm. Um, and they move towards a marshy swamp of which they find small sort of like, um, almost like a hut. Very, very... Uh, uh, not very advanced dwellings, but a dwelling all the same. And uh, inside, they see the Samako, who, when con- when confronted in this era, is actually, depending on how the party would you know, confront him, yeah, yeah. either way is kind of too full to be able to really move or put up much of a fight. Yeah. On the Samako's back, of which he introduces themselves as Gus, can speak, is quite pleasant, actually, um... If, if pleasantly interacted with, if mm. they were sort of approached hostile, he would probably be scared, if anything. And on Gus's back are suckling little Guslings. Oh, gross. <laughs> that, <laughs> from the disgusting. <laughs> from disgusting. From the secretions of which when Gus <laughs> consumes food, it's processed and secreted out of his back. Oh, Gus's back to feed the little Guslings. That's gross. I do love Guslings. Guslings is... <laughs> now I want to use it. Yes. But it's gross. Okay, so we have a uh, parent eating this stuff to feed their offspring. And, and, and Gus explains the reason why Gus is doing this is because he needs the Guslings to be strong and ready. Winter's going to approach for Gus as well. And if these little Guslings aren't fed... They might not survive the winter. It gets harsh. It gets hard around here, especially okay. for being amphibians as well. Right. And so in this situation, as opposed to Tully's, um, Gus is qu- is very, like, absolutely sentient and aware of what it is doing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Would even probably feel bad that it, and understands if the thing was explained to him that you're taking other people's food, yeah. would be, well, I'm sorry. Like, but they, they take all the food from all around or everything that you... Hey everyone, I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. to be you know trees that would give food 
they've used for themselves. They yeah. they tore down the forest and they put up crops and they said that they're theirs and they refuse to share. Man versus nature rears its head again. Yes. Yes. Okay. So we have Gus and the Guslings. Um, uh, let's let's uh, head back to Dom. So yeah, on the first night after, whoops, how professional! Uh, on the first night after the party leaves the village, when they're on, when they're travelling on the roads, uh, they become they become very drowsy, like early, like even the ones who are on guard, like they start they kind of start drifting off quite rapidly, uh, and that includes any elves in the party, right? Which is shouldn't possible. According to the bloody the bloody player's handbook, it shouldn't be possible. <laughs> My player's yeah. handbook says I can't fall asleep. Not not even by magical means. This is DM shenanigans. Yeah. Oh, it's shenanigans <laughs> of the highest order. <laughs> I, it's, I'm DM's caveat right here. Uh, they wake up the next morning incredibly well rested, and one of them finds a note that says, "Hello, my name is Gus. You all dreamt. You all slept very soundly, and you were and you were all very safe." I somehow don't believe it. <laughs> I don't that. believe it. <laughs> I disbelieve the illusion. <laughs> okay, interesting. So um, so they just have a note. They just have a note written in very nice nice handwriting, although like you know, if you like you do a perception check or something, it's like it's not it's like it's been scratched with a fingernail. Okay. Is it like written di- in common? Written in the like the common language, or is it specific? Or in the in the same language? That no, it's the... it's ri- written in like it. I would say it's written in common. Yes, like whichever is the most like the most common language being read here, or possibly that it. No, no, common, definitely common. Yeah. Let's not overcomplicate this. Let's not overcomplicate it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, again, has the statue or the figurine like changed position at all, or is it just exactly as it was? Exactly as it was. Okay. You know, interesting. Yeah. I yeah. like it. I think. There are certain party members that would love this and certain party members that would hate this. Yeah. Uh, so let's go on to the prestige, shall we? Shall we just go around the same way again? So we'll go back to yeah. to um to to Gus the the gluttonous the gluttonous imp. imp. So where the legends ended, it becomes very apparent that Gus will not stop eating. <laughs> Gus no longer asks to be fed. Gus just feeds. You will eat anything. Uh, the legs of chairs, the silverware, uh, crockery, tables, swords. And it gets to the point where Gus has gorged so much that the skin almost seems too tight. Almost seems to, to stretch around this uh, impish form. And um, as Gus continues to eat, the townsfolk revolt and kick Gus out. But Gus continues to eat, and everything that Gus eats, as Gus starts to, to chow down on the marble statue in the, in the town square, along Gus's back oozes a marble surface. If Gus takes over the blacksmith, then a shiny, brand-new steel coat appears along its back, trickling down. Wait, so is this something that can be harvested, or is it protecting itself with these things? Protecting, And right, Gus okay. is getting bigger and getting bigger. And when your party finds them, when somebody finds Gus, hello, I'm Gus. <laughs> and I'm hungry. I give Gus a good berry. 
I, I love the image of Gus just sprouting <laughs> good breeze. <laughs> uh, okay, so I kind of love... I, I really like this idea that Gus has been here before and he's come back again. So what? what is the... Why did he go away in the first place? And why did he shrink back down? So I really like the, the idea that he is on like a, a season, like maybe some sort mm. of cosmic schedule that brings him back once every like 222 years. Um, and so you just have to kind of wait him out and then he'll go off and hibernate and not be a problem anymore. So you just have to feed him like scraps and, and things. Like, it, mm. That is the a peaceful option or you have to fight and maybe be eaten by Gus. Yes. Uh, so, <laughs> and as a as a um, a mechanic that I think follows Gus around is adaptive armor. <laughs> is if Gus eats your sword, by God, Gus's armor class goes up. If Gus eats the statue, well, that's an immunity to uh, slashing and piercing damage. So I think what you do, part of it is, is feeding him marshmallows. <laughs> yes. If, and if you, fighting And it. he becomes the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. You're <laughs> creating <laughs> your own Whoa. villain here. Of course, yeah. I fell into that age-old trap. <laughs> <laughs> you were going to say something, sorry, Jack? I was going to say, yeah, would that be a viable way of defeating Gus? Would that I, be I feeding, would feeding so. wood or something? Because Gus has just appetite using the... Feeding wood and then setting them on fire. I yeah. Think I, well, Gus is a is an imp. Gus is fiendish by nature, and mm. the, that sort of trick is the only way to to uh, work around. Yeah, using using his powers against him. That's you start with a fairy tale. That's a very classic fairy tale way to defeat him. I like it. Mm. Yeah. Mm. What if you fed him like just a whole bunch of tobacco, just like an appetite suppressant? And he just gets cancer? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're sorry, uh, Gus. I mean, yeah, he, he yeah. is hungry, but yeah. maybe you just give, give yeah, him a just, smoking habit. Yeah, here you go, Gus. This is ricin. You'll I, be dead within the week. I feel like if you give Gus tobacco, I feel like that's just an invitation for you to make Gus poisonous to anyone that, that gets me <laughs> if, if, if Just Gus starts billowing smoke <laughs> and you have to make... Make a constitution saving throw <laughs> right now. And so if he eats fire, like he's, he's just becomes immolated. Yeah, that that's a really interesting interesting fight. I think. <laughs> what if Gus was to accidentally take a bite of himself? Whoa. Yeah. What if you cut off his arm and fed him his own arm? And would he self consume mm. and sort of? Or Ouroboros. Just continues to eat <laughs> and then suddenly space time starts bending around into it. <laughs> you open a portal to the pl- to the infernal planes yeah, that's our campaign over thanks guys. all right yeah, well nice during the nine hells <laughs> it didn't take long to get to the nine hells all right well let, let's head back to the Samarco. yes yep Gus and, Gus and the gutlings uh, so the d- discussion continues there would probably be a debate among your party I mean there's always that person who's like well it seems easy to kill Gus, get some easy XP. But Gus goes on to explain, well, look, I have plenty of secretion and not that many Guslings, you know, get, getting on as a Samako. Um, and I've only got a few. Uh, if you leave me alone, my secretions are actually very useful to you. And looking at the secretions on the back, they're like that kind of... Uh, clear, but sort of um, got that uh, rainbow quality of like you know uh, gasoline. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Pools of gasoline like that. <laughs> Giving a lick to Gus's back gives this incredibly warm sensation flowing through you. You know, um, Jimi Hendrix, uh, um, Kiss the Sky <laughs> starts playing that sort of stuff. Exactly. As sort of 
wonderful vistas open up to you. Um, joyfulness, all these great things. Mm-hmm. And an immense feeling of warmth. Not heat, but warmth in you. And warmth of the world. And just a general great positive outlook. Depending on how much you take, doesn't last that long. But is a very nice and buzzing quality. And you definitely want more. And you definitely <laughs> want a bit more. And also, for the any enterprising um, rogue um, player character might think, this might be something that I could bottle and sell for an even greater price. Mm-hmm. 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 And so you, you start a black market heroin. You start an opium. You, you could start possibly. an opium trade. No, it could kind of go two <laughs> ways. I mean, yes, you could you could kind of do exactly what has been told of you. Get the get the cash, get the gold. Yeah. Or even being able to go and because the warmth that Gus produces in the secretions um, is enough to kind of like it never gets set. easier to hear you say <laughs> Gus's secretions. Yeah. Is that it was a bad word? I, I commend you for having the strength <laughs> to choose this saying. Is that this warmth is actually what keeps. Gus and the Guslings warm during the winter. <laughs> and perhaps this warmth could be sold back to the villagers to keep them warm during the winter. They don't lot, need to eat. A whole lot, maybe, well, the food might be after another thing, <laughs> but there might be some accord being able to be worked out between some sort of free-flowing trade between a certain amount of food for Gus and, in exchange, a certain amount of the secretions. Sure. That's... It's a gross way to live. <laughs> uh, I've got the, the secretion. I want to call the secretion gasoline. <laughs> gasoline. It's kind of it's this it's the uh, sprunk episode from Futurama. How is it made? Uh, yeah. The slurm. The slurm. Yeah. Wimmy wham wham wassle. <laughs> All right. Let, let's let's head back to Dom for the prestige. Yeah. So. It, like you, you travel with this little statue for a time, and you know you're uneasy about it at first. But you know, night after night, everyone falls asleep, and you're in bad territory. But no one's attacking you, and you have to just the party. Like they, they write Gus notes, like because they don't know if Gus. Oh, sorry, Gus is. You know, I'm calling the statue Gus as well. Sure, I mean, why that's... not? Um, they write Gus notes because they don't know if he's listening. They're just like, are you listening to us when we're awake? And just like, I'm not listening, but I know you well. That sort of thing, just like ominous stuff, but it's just like, well, it seems right. to be fine so far. And at a certain point, the party will realise that they've stopped dreaming, uh, uh-huh. and that none of them has dreamed since since they met Gus. And they ask Gus, "Just like, are you are you stealing our dreams?" And he'll say, "No," and because he's he's eating them, not stealing them. Uh, and the, yeah, the the truth is that Gus is a powerful magical item or being. It's not really clear, but He's devouring part of the you know, part of the players, the, the characters' subconscious in a way. When by refusing, by destroying their dreams in order to sustain himself for quite for a pretty a decent benefit, really. I mean that every party member winds up being long rested every night. They never have to deal with nighttime yeah. issues. They could even probably do it in a dungeon and be safe. But there's also they're they're immune to the uh, the dream spell. Yeah, they're immune. Yeah. It's quite it's quite a boon, but. What happens to the poor warlock? Because warlocks always communicate with their patrons in dreams, or their patrons get angry at them in dreams. Oh, Tully. That's the trope. Oh, Tully. <laughs> hey. There are indeed beings that <laughs> connect, can, that can connect with people through their dreams and aspects of the of the multiverse or the planescape. I'm, but I'm sure Gus isn't one. 
Gus is no. my patron. <laughs> in, in, indeed, verily, yes. Gus is a, a lower, a, lo, a, a lower on the register sort of demon, I suppose he is, or an old one, or some kind of some. He definitely kind. feels like an old one, yes, a great he, old one. I was, gonna, yeah, mm, I think mm. there, there, there is always connection to the dreams in there. Um, See, and I was feeling fake. Sure. I mean, he definitely could be. He could be Fade. Look, there's there's a few but different... But knowing you yes. without having spoken to you, that's that's kind of a great mm. old one, just the, the forbidden true. knowledge. Yeah. Um, and I wish I knew my planes a bit better, um, but yeah, I, I think that over time, the the players become... start the, the characters start becoming more and more aligned with the plane from which Gus originated. And mm. I mean, I do like the astral plane. Event, yeah, sure. Event, the astral plane. Dreams. In, yeah, it, yeah. I knew there was a plane that I couldn't think of that was connected to dreams. It start, it's eventually, if they keep Gus around for long enough, they start slipping into the astral plane as they sleep, and it becomes a bit of a problem for them. And yeah, it become, or, or maybe it's a benefit. But yes, that beca- it's kind of become starts becoming an, an, a new way to introduce the next aspect of the adventure. Yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not part of the hook, it's a hook for your next hook, is that now you've kind of, your characters, thanks to this strange little, strange little trinket, now have an attunement with another plane of existence. Yeah. And I mean, the, the story plane, go from there? I, I guess, canonically in 5e, the astral plane is always like the plane that all the other planes connect to, so everything that's lost just kind of ends up there. Yeah, that's right. Um, so I think, yeah, so maybe he's protecting you by just kind of phasing you out of this plane into yeah. the astral plane and then bringing you back. Yeah. Could, could with what you're expanding what you were saying about the astral plane being where things are lost, mm. could Gus be a lost thing that he's just popped up in the astral plane and when you've come to the astral plane, it's like, hey, I've always been done right by you guys. I've mm-hmm. always been honest. Can I say that I would like for you to help me and take me back to where I'm from? Yeah, is that, sure. That, that, that's mm. a perfectly reasonable... And I, I, I think that may, especially if the party winds up in the astral plane because they're dreaming, then they can have, communicate more directly with Gus and he becomes a bit more of a character for that part of the arc as well. Mm. That could be a fun little escalation, especially if the party keeps Gus around for a while and suddenly it's just like, yeah, he's a character now. He's like he's kind of been on the precipice of that for a while, but now, yeah, mm. you're, you're carrying a person in your backpack, and now and he's, he's also a parasite who feeds on the elder brain. Look, but he's, he's only been colony. so helpful to you guys, though. He's protected you. There were there were sh- displacer beasts in those woods that night, and you didn't even know about it. Oh, I didn't get my sweet displacer beast clo- cloak. Look. <laughs> he, he gives and he takes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, that's it. So th- those we have. Uh, what, what did we? What did we call yours, Dom? Uh, uh, Gus the Dream Thief. Gus the Dream Thief. We have the summer. Yeah, Gus the Summerco and the Guslings. Summerco and the I Guslings. I like that band. It's kind of like Gus Jackson and the Guslings. Five band. Guslings, yeah. <laughs> Gus and the Guslings. I were playing at the Triffid on the. <laughs> and that's we a, had that's, the a, that's a real Triffid band. It's Gus and the Guslings. <laughs> All right. Uh, so I think I might change that to Gus the, Glutton, uh, the Gluttonous Imp. Gus the Gluttonous Imp. All right. So uh, thank you for staying with us this long. Uh, as always, we would love for you to use these hooks in your game and to let us know how it goes. You can reach out on Facebook, on Twitter, or on Instagram, or at our email, podcast.hooked at gmail.com. Especially if you have art that you would like us to use for inspiration, uh, instead of us using a Magic the Gathering card, we would love to see some of your original work. Um, we are produced under a Creative Commons attribution on commercial no derivatives 
4.0 international license, which means you're free to share and redistribute the material in any medium or format if you give appropriate credit. Do not use the material for commercial purposes and don't remix, transform, or build upon the material in any way unless you ask us first. But please take the ideas, inflict some torture upon your players, <laughs> and let us know what they say. Also, send through your Gus voice. Okay, No matter yes, which sure. Gus you have, send through your Gus voice. They all sound pretty much like this, I reckon. Yes. I'm, I'm Gus, and I'm hungry. Okay. Thank you very much, Tully. Hello, hello. You can catch me every Wednesday on Dungeon Deep Dive, where we talk about uh, different aspects of fantasy worlds and how to build them. Thank you very much, Dom. Yeah. I uh, see you in your dreams. <laughs> And thank you for joining us once again, Jack. Thank you very much for having me. Until next time, everyone, keep playing games. Bye. Good morrow, mine kiotis. Tis I, your once and future pal, Old Matty. Through fortuitous wheeling and ordealing, Old Matty bamboozled, hoodwinked, and duped himself in official That's Not Canon Productions podcast. Delicious Word Sandwich, the only podcast that transforms literary readables into scrumptious edibles, and the only literature podcast ever made, probably. Get a questionable recipe and an impeccable book breakdown all in one by the month as Old Matty reviews a New Yorker short story, shares some advice from the almighty titan, Old Matty's idol, Ernest Hemingway, then finally transforms every element of classic novels into ingredients. Example? Marvel as I turn the Maltese Falcon's cynical characters into smoky bitter cheese and its hard-boiled plot into an egg. Shell included. All the while, Delicious Word Sandwich chronicles old Maddie's madcap misadventures in which he conquers death. So be sure to catch Delicious Word Sandwich on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, and in your demonically possessed spaghetti. Until then, farewell, my kiotis. That's Not Kind of Productions podcast.